0: Now you guys see what I get to deal with during the week. (laughs) I remember being a youth pastor. (laughs) Those were the days. Uh, Welcome to church. So glad that you are all here today and those who are watching online. Thanks for tuning in and being a part. And um, if if you would like, it would do good to share this uh, live stream, you know, in person. Everybody acts like, oh, I'm taking notes, pastor. That's what I'm doing on my phone during the service. Uh, and you know while you're perusing maybe share that link uh, so other people can can uh, see what's going on today because I'm really excited today is going to be awesome it is uh, well let me let me share a little bit about what's going on so I don't know if you guys ever spend time um, meditating on scripture anybody ever do that or um, some contemplative time uh, my mentor, he is, he's very contemplative. In fact, Pastor Bob Hennigan, he retired. Do you know what he did when he retired? He moved to the mountains in Colorado, and he is completely off grid. He has no uh, wires connected to his house, so he has uh, electricity via solar panels, and anyway, it's a great life, but I, and my kids wouldn't be able to handle it, I don't think, but uh, I was thinking about just god and and what is he doing for us and what's going on with with me and in the church and i just had this nagging feeling like there's something more do you ever guys feel that way like there's something more god what what are you doing what's going on in my life what's going on in the life of our church what more do you have for us and it was just this nagging feeling like something is more and and you know i feel like as a church we do good we we have a uh, the easter egg hunt that we've done this COVID, of course messed that up for us but uh, we'll get back to that we have the christmas tree walk which is awesome we tell people the story of jesus and his birth through christmas trees which is amazing i feel like we do good with the church i feel like we're a church that loves each other we're a church that serves our community we did uplift yesterday and um it's it's awesome which by the way me say something about Uplift. Uplift is our food and diaper ministry that we have going on here, and um, funding was running out for us for the food that we give away. You know, it, it costs money to, to do that, and so we were wondering what's going to happen. How, God, are you going to handle this? We want to continue this ministry, but maybe it's a season, and that season's over. We didn't know, and I mean, this, yesterday was the last day of funding. We ran out the last time we were able to distribute food we still have diapers left so we could continue that would you believe that last week or maybe it was two weeks ago we got a notification from uh, Denton County's food bank that they want to partner with us to continue distributing food to our community so on July 9th a uh, free commercial I guess um, July 9th uh, it's a Friday Uh, from 10 to noon I believe is the time if you guys would like to show up and help that's awesome but uh, we're gonna be here with the Denton County Food Bank they're gonna bring a big truck and we're gonna pass food out so it's pretty cool that God worked that out for us so all that to say I feel like we're doing a good job as a church but I had this nagging feeling and I was in that time of of spiritual contemplation and God what do you have for us and what's what's going on next you know Um, so as this question is going on through my mind uh, the thing that drives Pastor Bob crazy about me is I can't just ask a question and, and leave it, you know? Like, we're just gonna ponder this question for a while. I'm the kind that needs an answer. So if there's a question, I need, I need an answer for it. And um, it was like God told me in that moment, well, uh, Cal, let's go back to the basics. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus teach? And I was like, well, Jesus taught a lot of things. He said, well, let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. So, I am declaring this summer as the summer of the sermon. Uh, not to be confused with uh, I'm preaching all summer all summer long. You know we're going to have breaks in between, but every Sunday for this summer we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and it is awesome. As I've been studying it, it is deep. I love. If you know me at all, you know that I love Jesus. I'm enamored with Jesus, with how much He loves me, with some of the things we were in our Bible study last week and or last month not this month but last month there's a very special thing that Jesus told his disciples that captured me and um, when Jesus was talking <laughs> this is all free by the way I promise we're going to get to it so just let me bear with me for this because you have to understand why I am so infatuated with Jesus I, I just think he is amazing as a person and as God who set his deity aside to become human, to show us how. It's, all of that's amazing. But maybe the most amazing thing, or at least what caught my attention, was in John chapter 13, um, Jesus is beginning his, uh, the Last Supper dialogue, you know, on that night before he was crucified. And it starts off, John 13, and, and it says, Jesus, having loved his own, he loved them until the end. And uh, very uh, particular words used in the Greek are estelos, uh, E-I-S-T-E-L-O-S, estelos, until the end. But as you dig into that, there's a depth of meaning that is, is really hard to, to speak in the English, but to, to understand that when John uh, wrote that, or when that was written in the book of John, Jesus knew, because it was immediately after this, that he talked about who was going to betray him, Judas, and it was immediately after that that he talked about who was going to deny him, Peter. And it was immediately after that that he was going to be turned over and crucified. And he, so he has this foreknowledge, but he still says, having loved his own, he loved them until the end. So no matter the betrayal, no matter the denial, no matter the sacrifice on Jesus' part, he loved them until the end it's a depth of love and the connotation is of completion that is hard for us to to grasp when i read that when i studied that the first time it, it blew my mind in fact i i have written a message i haven't preached it but it, it's called as telos until the end so to help us understand the depth of his love for us so i i just i love jesus i love all that he stands for and and i mean why wouldn't we but i think that for me it, the the depth that jesus loves me with has caused me a a great amount of admiration for him if you will and so the reason we're going to be talking about the sermon on the mount so now you know why i love jesus so much not only did he save me but it's the depth of his love for me amazing but the reason we're talking about the sermon on the mount is because i just feel like god said we've got to get back to the basics we need to talk about what jesus talked about what was important to jesus um, so, uh, this summer, the summer of the sermon. The Sermon on the Mount is, I think, where we discover exactly what Jesus wants from us. God's desire for us is to be transformed. His desire for us is to be different from the rest of the world. It reminds me of the little girl who asked her mother, Hey, uh, Mom, if, Jesus, if God lives inside of us and He's so big, wouldn't He show through? <laughs> We need to take an example from that little girl to know that Jesus who, and God who are inside of us, they should show through us in everything. Remember that in the beginning, God created us in his image, right? We all know that tells us that in Genesis. We were created in the image of God. Unfortunately, sin has distorted that image in us, and so we on this earth as followers of Jesus are in the pursuit of restoring that image inside of us. That is the work of holiness in our lives. We're we're pursuing the restored image of Christ as we draw closer to Him, and that's what He wants from us and what He wants for us. So the summer of the sermon we're going to start with the beatitudes Matthew chapter 5 and while I'm going through this today if you want to keep up with the message notes and I would recommend today um, to do this go to the uh, the app the church's app and the notes are in there because there's going to be there's quite a few notes for today so Matthew chapter 5 probably you've all heard this before we're going to put them all together now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and he sat down His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. You can't see so well on this screen. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy on to the verse 8 blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you? I'm not sure why why we say blessed. You know, we say blessed. I'm blessed and blessed. So, um, however you pronounce that, but I grew up with blessed and so that's where we're at all right so in the the gospel of matthew happens just to give you a little background the gospel of matthew is written where we start here kind of the very beginning of jesus ministry in chapter four jesus endured the temptation you guys remember when he was tempted in the desert and then um by the devil and then he goes out and he picks his disciples and That's an interesting story in itself because he he picks his disciples and they really are invested in Jesus. They just follow him wherever he goes and they're devoted to him. And then he begins his healing ministry. And and so he's gathered a crowd by now. People know who he is. He's got some attention and that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 5. So in today's scripture, we find that uh, Jesus is going to begin talking as the crowds approach he tells his disciples to gather around now this is significant because in our minds in my mind at least I thought that Jesus was gathering a crowd so he could deliver this teaching to them but really he's asking his disciples to gather around so he can teach them and the crowds are coming also so this tells us that this teaching is for people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus this is for all of us and all of those who who we want to know who Jesus is. And the word blessed which is read uh, used over and over and over again in the Greek means to uh, describe a state of happiness and well-being. It means blissful or fortunate. It's interesting because it also has a congratulatory element to it. So in the season of graduation, it might be a, the same word people would use for to for somebody being uh, having graduated, you know, blessed are you because you graduated. Like it's, it's congratulations and blissful and fortunate and happy are you because you graduated. Uh, the Greek word, by the way, if you want to look it up, is Baruch, B-A-R-U-K. All right, so we also have to assume that Jesus, and this becomes important in a minute, that, that Jesus spoke the Beatitudes in this order, okay we believe that Matthew wrote them in the same order that Jesus spoke them so they're not out of order here and today we've um, broken them up in two halves that uh, you'll catch in a minute the the first half are the internal attitudes and the second half are the external attitudes and they're in in my opinion in order of importance uh, like a ladder if you will from the lowest rung to the highest rung and so in the first rung of the ladder and these internal uh, the first beatitude blessed are are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Um, one last thing we have to assume well we, we don't assume we know that Matthew was writing his gospel for a primarily Jewish audience now um, he declares right off the bat Jesus as the Messiah he proves to them his lineage through David if you read the first part of Matthew it goes through a whole boring thing of genealogy but it's very important because it proves where Jesus came from Um, he also leaves there's some Jewish customs and things that he doesn't explain because he would assume those reading it would understand it and also it's interesting that he's the gospel in his gospel he uses kingdom of heaven over and over rather than kingdom of god um, because in the jewish tradition they didn't speak the word of god many of you probably knew that but that's why he uses kingdom of heaven they would use heaven and god as interchangeable so kingdom of heaven in other places is kingdom of god so at first glance it really doesn't make much sense to say happy or fortunate or congratulations to people who are poor in spirit right how, how, where are we going with this? So if we think about what poor means, we begin to understand that some synonyms of poor are like broke, busted, destitute. Start using some synonyms now. If we put the word spiritual beside them, then we can read it like Jesus is saying blissful or fortunate are people who are spiritually busted. Or spiritually destitute, or spiritually broke. That Jesus is saying, some of you are looking at me like, "And all right, let's dig into this some more." Jesus is saying the first step to real joy is realizing that we are spiritually broke, that we spiritually can do nothing on our own. Spiritually, we are destitute. Spiritually, we are broken. So as we dig into it that way, we might say, fortunate is the person who finally recognizes that they cannot make it on their own. When you realize that you cannot do this thing by yourself, you are fortunate. You figured it out. You can't do it. So when we come to God and say, God, I need you in my life. I cannot do this by myself. We are blessed. Isn't that awesome? And that's the first rung. Then the second, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So why is this important or how is this the second rung? If we look at the first one, when we finally realize that we're spiritually broke and until we, Recognize that we need God we can't succeed in God so that's the first one then we look and, and we say the next one then is we finally realize we're broke our only hope is in God then we recognize the sin in our life and it breaks our heart we mourn over that sin in our life let me ask you this This might hurt a little bit. When was the last time that you mourned over the sin in your life? When was the last time that you took a spiritual inventory, you recognized a sin, and you mourned over it, and it broke your heart, and it made you sad? And it caused you really to reflect. The word that should come to mind is repentance, to repent, to turn from one thought, from a former thought, to something new. That's when God's promise comforts you. So when we realize how spiritually destitute, broke, and poor we are, then we recognize the sin in our life and it breaks our heart. We mourn over that sin. Then God will comfort us. Isn't that awesome? Like that's when he comes in. That's when his spirit comes in. and you say, God, I'm so sorry I've messed up and oh, it's breaking my heart and he makes you feel better. You say, forgive me. And he does because he loves you as telos. And it draws out of you that sin because we're at work restoring the image of God in our lives, right? All right, next. Blessed, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, I never liked this one, just so you know. Never liked this blessed, blessed are the meek. Who likes meek people? (laughs) I don't want to be a meek person. By nature, I'm not meek. It's just not part of who I am. God, how am I supposed to be meek? Can you make me meek? (laughs) Then I was relieved when I read. (laughs) Dug into this a little bit. So go back to the Greek, the original word. And I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Praus, P-R-A-U-S, praus. Meek is used in bridling a horse or taming a wild animal. Right? (laughs) Every married person understands. I'm just kidding. Move on. So... (laughs) I didn't say which gender come on (laughs) you guys are all so when we talk about a meek person we're talking about one whose life has been brought under the influence of the holy spirit and now he is gaining control of your life because without him we're like a wild untamed animal living in the debauchery of all of our sin but when we become meek Under the Holy Spirit's control, then He has a way in our lives. God is in control of our life. The problem is, most of us want to be in the driver's seat. We want to be the ones. We want to drive that car. We want to say where it's going. What the Beatitude tells me is that I have to move over to the passenger seat and say, Jesus, you drive. The song, as I remember jesus take the wheel right jesus you you have control you take over i don't want this anymore now have you noticed the first three steps in the in the rung of our ladder in these beatitudes when we recognize how spiritually broke we are and the awfulness of our sin it breaks our heart and we finally turn our life over to god and we say god you have control isn't it interesting now you understand why it's important that they were in this order because jesus is talking to us about how it is that we move deeper and deeper into a relationship with him fourth one the last one of the internal attitudes blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled You know, I think very few of us today really know what it's like to be hungry. I really really just don't think that very many of us do. I, as I've been, so I'm not really counting macros, I mean calories, I'm counting what they call macros, carbohydrates, fats, proteins. It's it's what I've been doing for, it seems like forever, but only since February. (laughs) And so often I, Actually, in the very beginning, I felt like I was eating too much all the time. I was eating, 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 and you track all your stuff, and you have, you know, so many. And um, after a while, though, after my body got used to it, now I feel like I can never eat enough. I'm always hungry. Always hungry. I mean, if you want to know what it's like to always be hungry, ask me. I can tell you. So uh, yesterday, you know, I, and I can tell you everything I ate yesterday. I had a breakfast. Awesome. I had um, lunch, which was... I don't even remember what I had for lunch now, but I remember that it was something good. For supper, I had some brisket. Mm, Amazing. Three meals, right? About 8 o'clock last night, I felt like I could eat my fingers, you know? Like I was so hungry. Still 2,000 calories. I don't really know what it's like to be hungry. Not really. I know that until I started doing this, I overate I mean, because my goal before was to eat until I couldn't fit anything else in my stomach, (laughs) which is the wrong way, by the way. But I don't really know what it's like to be hungry, and I would bet that most of you, maybe somebody does, but most of you don't either. Really, really hungry. Jesus is saying, how much do you want righteousness? To be right with God, to know him as your Lord and Savior. How much do you want that? Do you want it as much as a starving person wants food? As somebody who's desperate for a glass of water wants water? And you see, when he's talking to them, they would understand because in their day, they didn't have a McDonald's to drive to. They couldn't go to Chipotle and order their bowl over the app they didn't have food delivered to their house like their meals were cooked and prepared and they planned ahead and they probably ate a lot of jerky and you know water where are you going to get clean water from they didn't have a a bottling factory like we don't understand how good we've got it at any given time they were all days away from dying of hunger or thirst so they would understand, and when Jesus says, um, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled," they would understand that the desperation associated with that. It reminds me of the prophet Elijah in uh, on Mount Carmel, First Kings chapter eighteen. Um, he cries out to the people of Israel and he says, "How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. Listen, it's time to decide." You see what he's doing? He walks them through whenever you realize that you're spiritually broke and then your sin begins to break your heart and then you turn yourself over to God and let him control. This is how you do it. Now it's time to decide. How bad do you want this? I think there's people here today who don't know what it's really like to be blessed because they've never really hungered and thirsted for righteousness. So that's the first four beatitudes. They they all deal with inward things. They begin with poor in spirit, then I mourn my sins, then I turn my life over to Jesus, and then I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then we move into the the last four which are the external ones. So the fifth beatitude is blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Which by the way, I want you to know this is this is hard to get all eight of these in to one message. Like I could spend all it could be the summer of blessed. <laughs> but it's not it's the sunday all right the fifth one merciful the principle of mercy and forgiveness is prevalent through the new testament i mean you guys have read it you know it it is what they talked about it's what they lived it was mercy 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 think of matthew 18 35 jesus finished the story of the unforgiving debtor and uh he says this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart and james wrote this judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful and then later on in the sermon on the mount we'll we'll get to this later in the summer matthew chapter 6 forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors Then Jesus says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, he will not forgive you. You see, the Bible teaches that only the merciful will receive mercy. (laughs) That's hard, right? Because who are we merciful to? Anybody? Somebody? Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy but if you're not merciful according to the scripture you're not going to get it because we've received it from God through Jesus Christ he expects us to show it to others in fact to the degree we have received it we should give it and I would reckon that means that we have all have a high degree of mercy that we need to share All right, number six, and I'm hurrying up. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. (laughs) Now, this is one that should make every one of us stop and think, reflect on ourselves. The Greek word for pure, katharos, has a number of interesting facets, okay? It's used to uh, talk about soiled clothes that have been washed, same word. Um, it's also used for grain and flour that have had the, the impurities sifted out of it. Same word. Um, milk and, uh, and wine that had not been mixed with anything, that were pure. Same word. And now we see it here. The pure in heart, for they will see God. In other words, all other motives have been sifted out. Anything else that motivates your heart, aside from God, gets sifted out. That's what pure in heart means. Um, In other words, it's it's a singleness of motive or devotion to God. We are single-minded in our motivation to do what God wants us to do. There's not other things influencing us. And I will say that of all the people in the history of the world, we are both the luckiest in the United States and the most unlucky. The luckiest because no other country has ever had it as good as us. The unluckiest because that makes it extremely more difficult to follow Jesus. Because our singleness of mind following him gets taken by work. It gets taken by pleasure. It gets taken by money. It gets taken by cars. It gets taken by boats. It gets, now don't get me wrong. I really hope to have a boat in my heaven. (laughs) I'm not saying boats are bad. I'm saying if those are the things that motivate you, if those are the things that give you desire, ah, you gotta be careful. Singleness of motive, pure in heart. All other things have been sifted out. A mind concerned only with pleasing God. So we could translate this beatitude like this. Blessed is the person whose thoughts are solely on God, who is singly devoted to Him, for they will see God in His presence. What's scary about that? What happens if our mind is divided? Does that mean we don't get to see God? No man can serve two masters. Remember that? Jesus said it. He will either hate one and love the other or love the one and despise the other. Only God. All right, next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. We're on the rung on the ladder, right? Why is peacemaking so high? <laughs> Why is peacemaking, in my mind, we're on this ladder on our way to see God Why is peacemaking so high on the ladder to see God? A peacemaker is not just somebody who gets in between people having a fight. A peacemaker is somebody who can change the climate of a room. Let me explain it this way. We know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, right? There's two kinds of people. There's thermometer people and thermostat people. And what I mean is a thermometer person, just like a thermometer, reflects the temperature of the room. If it's cold, the thermometer's cold. If it's hot, the thermometer's hot. But a thermostat person, like a thermostat, can change the temperature of a room. If it's hot, the thermostat can be turned down and make it cool. If it's cool, the thermostat can be turned up and make it hot. That's what a thermostat person is. You can tweet that. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> Two kinds of people. A thermostat changes the climate of a room. A peacemaker is somebody who can change the climate, not just get in between a fight, but change the environment. Have you ever been in a room where everybody's negative and, and you walk in and you get sucked? I have. Don't, no. Not preaching at you this is all of us okay i come into a room and everybody's like you never believe this and cal this thing and this bad thing and this bad and i'm like yeah that's a bad thing and this is another bad thing and this is all bad things and then somebody else walks in and they're like well it's not that bad and we can do this and we can change everything changes you've been in that room everything changes oh all the all of a sudden we don't have to throw everything away <laughs> We don't have to tear everything down. We don't because a peacemaker has just come in the room and has just changed the atmosphere and has just made everything a little bit better and a little bit different. And when we have and this is what God wants from us, if we truly are carrying the Holy Spirit everywhere we go, then by nature, spirit nature, we become thermostat people. Because everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit, we don't have to change our personality. I'm I'm not telling you change your personality when you come in start arguing with everybody and tell them how much better it can be (laughs) because it's not going to work. But just by the presence of the Spirit in your life, that your life exudes, it changes what's around you. People around you change. And some of you have experienced that before. You'll be with somebody and they'll say, there's just something different about you what's going on what's different something's different i'm glad you asked the holy spirit oh he does a good good uh, work in me he does a good job of changing my heart so everything changes you don't have to change holy spirit does it for you but you have to have him in you before that happens a thermostat kind of person. So here's the deal. The reason God has given us this ability, peacemakers, we are peacemakers. He needs us in his church. He needs peacemakers in his workplace. He needs peacemakers in the world. Peacemakers. Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit is bringing peace. A peacemaker, somebody who never dwells on the negative, concentrates on the positive. Telling people the Work that God is doing in His church and in His people, about the miracles that happen, like we don 't know what we 're going to do, I guess our food ministry's going to end because we can 't fund it anymore, and then all of a sudden, boom, hey church, can we partner with you? Would that be okay? We 'd love to bring a truckload of food and are you kidding me like you guys don 't maybe understand the significance of the concern that happened two months leading up to that, like we don 't know what 's going to happen god we 're just going to trust you I mean. He works it out, man. He takes care of things. He does things that we just don't understand. And then I mourn over my untrusting heart. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I just want to step deeper into that faith with you. Hmm. Finally, the last rung on the ladder. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's crazy. Why would this be the very last one? Let me tell you why I think it's here. It's because the world doesn't know how to respond to people who are living so close with Jesus that everybody sees it. I think we confuse the world they don't know what to do with us we live so close to Jesus our lives exude peace the Holy Spirit goes with us everywhere we go we're taking the kingdom of God every step that we take and they're like I don't know what to do with you like you're a radical what did I do I just love Jesus you're too much for me the people who are so close to God that they walk into a room and everybody notices because they're a thermostat and the environment changes. Our mannerisms, our mercy, our grace, our love for others changes everything. And it makes people uncomfortable. Honestly, they would much rather when they slapped us that we slap them back. Like that makes sense. But to turn the other cheek, that makes no sense. What are you doing here? They get mad at us? That makes no sense that we don't get mad back. They cuss at us? It makes no sense that we don't cuss back. See, people aren't sure whether to applaud us or ridicule us. They just don't know. Unfortunately, in our world, most people choose to ridicule. And that's just what happens. So Jesus is saying, when you're persecuted, for righteousness' sake, you are at the top of the ladder. You are being formed into the image of Christ because of your pure pursuit. When we are a radical follower, we will be persecuted. I'm gonna close with this and then we're gonna have communion here in a minute, but Oral Hershiser, anybody remember Oral Hershiser? Won with the Dodgers, the World Series in 1988 and that year was named the MVP of the series. Oral Hershiser, I remember, I um, remember, because he got famous after that. Everybody knew Oral Hirschhizer. He awesome. He was a good baseball player. but So Oral Hirschhizer, during the last game of the World Series, there's a, a video a camera zoomed in on him, and he's leaned up against the wall in the dugout, and he begins to speak, or he begins to move his lips. Of course, there's no sound, but he's moving his lips. And after the World Series and after he was named MVP, they invited him to come on the Johnny Carson show. He's on the Johnny Carson show, and Johnny Carson says, "Hey, Oral, tell us what you were saying." He says, oh, "I wasn't saying anything." Well, it's obvious your lips were moving. What was going on that you were saying? He says, "I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't speaking." He says, "Well, what were you doing?" Well, I was singing. What? You were singing? I didn't know that you sang. And Oral's like, "I, I really don't, I really don't sing." And he was telling. Then he began to go to him. Hey, why don't you sing? Sing for us what you were singing? No, 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 I don't want to. Yeah, come on, you can, you can sing. And by this time, the whole TV audience, the studio audience was like, yeah, sing for us, sing for us. So you know what he did? He sang the song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You guys remember that one? Praise him all creatures here below. And Oral began to sing this song for him, and the audience was stunned. They didn't know what to do. On the Johnny Carson show, here's Oral Hersheiser singing this Famous, I, I don't know if it, it's not really a hymn, but you guys know it's, it's amazing, and he's singing this, and they didn't know what to do. Finally, one person started clapping, and then everybody broke into applause. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. I think that this is part of the journey God is calling us to. This is who God wants us to be. Church is more than church. Church is a gathering of people with a same purpose, a similar purpose. We are a gathering of people moving forward to accomplish the same thing. And this is what Jesus is calling us to accomplish this is how he starts his sermon on the mount hey you want to know and and you know he always until the end he's spoken in what they thought were riddles now we've had centuries millennia to decipher what he's saying and he's saying hey this is this is the stair step take these steps and draw close to me so i hope that as you go through life and as you're living your day to day that you remember these things and that we try to employ these um, beatitudes and you know they're not different people are given different attitudes these are for all of us to have so let me pray God I love you this morning I just pray you would help us to live a life like you have called us to live. That you would help us with these beatitudes. That you would help us to learn to take these steps as we draw closer and closer and closer to you. And that you would be with us in all things. And now this morning in a few moments as we take communion together, I pray that you would bless this time of reflection on you. In fact, just before you said that you would love your disciples until the end, Estelos, Telos, just after that, excuse me, you gave them this meal, this last supper. In fact, you served Judas the bread and the wine right before he betrayed you because you loved him as Telos. So now this morning as we partake in this I pray you would help us to remember the weight and that you love us like that and now help us to love others in Jesus name this morning we have uh, there's four stations around and um, they all have the individually packaged communion just want to invite you here in a moment to to get your package of communion At our church we don't require that you're a member of the church it's an open communion so everybody can partake we just want to remember how jesus on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and when he served it he said this is my body which will be broken for you so when you take it this morning remember the sacrifice of jesus and after the bread he took the cup what what we call the cup of blessing and he gave it to his disciples and he said Take and drink, and remember that my blood was shed for you, and it was shed not only for those then, but for us now. In fact, we would say His blood that was shed just for you. We do, this. We do this. So this morning, as we sing this last song. Give you a few moments. Reflect on that. Reflect on these beatitudes at your convenience. Go and, uh, and get the, the cup and take your communion. God, this morning as we prepare to have this time of communion, I pray that you would bless it. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. May we never forget.